0: It is great to see so many of you here on our campus and everybody joining us online. Let me welcome you as well. But speaking of those of you here on our campus, if you have a seat beside you, can you slide in the middle? So we've still got some folks walking around in the back looking for a seat, and that will help them out immensely. Hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're honored you're here. Let me kind of jump in with what Abby just talked about with New to New Hope uh, next Sunday. That is designed specifically for you. We hope you'll be able to join us. There are others of you that uh, you've been attending for a little while and you're kind of ready to take the step of formally joining our church as a member. So we're going to have a membership class on Sunday, January 28th. And so these are both kind of some new opportunities to connect. We're trying to offer more opportunities to uh, get connected here to our church family in this new year. And so New to New Hope um, happening next Sunday and then membership class. So the difference is New to New Hope is an opportunity just to find out a little bit more about who we are. A membership class, we'll still have lunch. We're gonna feed you, don't worry about that. But it'll be about two hours and uh, we'll really do a deep dive into a lot of things with our theology, our statement of belief, our leadership structure, kind of really pop the hood, so to speak, and uh, show you everything about who we are are as a church. And if you've been considering making that decision, here's really all that means you formally commit yourself to having ownership of the vision of New Hope Church. And so coming to the class doesn't necessarily make you a member, it just gives you the opportunity to make that decision at the end of our time together. So we'll be offering these several times throughout this year. That is the first one. If you're interested in joining us, uh, you can scan that QR code. And again, that will be on Sunday, January. 28th. I also wanted to give you an update on our right now special Christmas offering. Uh, we just celebrated everything that we saw God do at Christmas. We're now going to be talking about it as the right now special offering since the Christmas season is behind us. And those of you call New Hope home, you know we've been talking about this since the end of November. The goal of five hundred thousand dollars, specifically to five ministry initiatives in this new year. So I wanted to give you an update of where we are again with the goal of five hundred thousand. Still a few weeks left to give, but as of the end of this past week, so far, as a church family, you have given $298,000 to the special offering. That is awesome. Great job, and uh, I feel like by faith we're gonna meet that goal. We'll keep you posted here over the next several weeks. And so this whole idea of right now and these specific ministry initiatives is really where we're gonna camp out here in the month of January. In fact, it's the name of our teaching series for January. And what we're gonna do in this series each week is take one of the initiatives and talk about biblically why we feel called to step into this right now. These these are really going to be messages that center around vision. What do we believe God's calling us to in this new year? How can we all be a part of it? And how can we begin to take those steps by faith? And so one of the initiatives that you've already heard of that I wanna spend some time unpacking today ties to the next generation and specifically to some things we're going to do here on our campus. And the way that we worded it in the Christmas offering was simply this. We believe that God wants us right now to renovate the indoor playground space into a new next generation ministry environment. Again, we've got an indoor playground space, which at one time was awesome to be used specifically for that purpose. We've decided now in this new season to repurpose it and to repurpose it for something either for elementary school students or for middle or high school students. We're still making some specific decisions about what that will look like. We'll obviously keep you posted, reaching out to some parents along the way to get your feedback about that. But all that really does is tell you what we're going to do. It tells you what the initiative is. It doesn't answer the question why. And what I wanna do for the rest of our time today together is answer that question. In many ways, that's what we're doing in this entire series. We're answering the question, why is it that we feel called to step into this? And specifically, focusing on the next generation, making sure that we have enough space to reach and disciple the next generation is why we're doing this. But what I wanna show you today biblically is that that's actually a mandate from God's word. So today's message is gonna be fun, right? We're gonna look into God's word and see why the next generation matters. And then we're gonna talk a little bit more about What that looks like for us today in 2024. Have y'all gotten used to saying that yet, right? 2024. What does that look like for us to make the next generation our focus? But let's go to God's word first and see what the Old Testament says about this in Psalm chapter 78, starting in verse four. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. And so literally we see this phrase, the next generation comes from God's word. And by this time in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, God's people had been doing this. They had been passing down from one generation the stories of God's faithfulness so that the Hebrew people could continue to walk with God. Now, when we get to the New Testament, Jesus is actually the one who really continues this for us, helping us see why the next generation is the focus. Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, here's what Jesus said. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. We see a verse like that and we think, well, of course that's what Jesus would have said, because they're kids and kids are important and kids are valued. But see, that wasn't the case in the first century. In the first century, children were looked at more as a problem, a nuisance. They did not have a high place in society. So it was a big paradigm shift for Jesus in front of a bunch of adults to invite the children to come to him. And so what we see from our Savior is that children in the next generation are always a priority. And for 2,000 years of church history, God's people have been faithful to continue to make the next generation a priority, to hand down the gospel message from one generation to the next. And so when we talk about this, talk about handing down the gospel message from one generation to the next, talk about what it looks like for us to do that now with multiple generations, I think it's helpful for us to point out why sometimes God's word isn't as clear as we think it should be when it comes to these things. And quite simply, here's the reason why. In the Bible, Old Testament and New, you were either a child or an adult. We don't really think about things that way now. We think of you know, kids and preschoolers and elementary, and then we got preteens, and then we got teens, and we got teenagers, and we got college students. In the Bible, none of those labels or categories existed. Here were the categories, two, child, adult. You were a child until you turned 12, and then you became an adult. We see this a little bit throughout scripture if you pay attention to it. For example, the life of Jesus. So I just read a verse from Jesus's public ministry, but when Jesus was 12 years old, he visited the temple with his parents. It's the only story we get from Jesus's childhood. And that's significant because he's at the age of 12. And the way the account reads is that Jesus went to the temple with his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, the same Mary and Joseph that we celebrate at Christmas. Apparently they made this journey with quite a few other families because what we see from the account is that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Have you ever lost your child in a mall, okay? They lost the Son of God. They did that for three whole days. They lost Jesus, not for three minutes, not for three hours, for three days. God trusted them with his Son, and they lost him. They did this. I share that with you to encourage you as a parent, okay? and if Mary and Joseph can lose the Son of God, we're good, all right, we're fine. Everything's gonna work out, it's gonna be all right. But when they come back to the temple, Jesus is teaching adults, like that's weird, not really, he was 12. Mary finds out she's gonna be the mother of Jesus in her early teens, she's an adult. David kills Goliath, probably around the age of 14. He's already an adult. And so when we read God's word, sometimes it's difficult for us to make sense of how to apply that to all the different generations happening today. And if you haven't thought about generations lately, I wanna spend a little bit of time talking about that because we live in a unique time. Here's what I mean by that. We are ministering as a church, and every church, if they're doing multi-generational ministry, ministering to five different generations at one time. So just let that sink in for a second. Now, when we say generations, it's not just distinctions in age, it's also distinctions in values. The different generations have different value systems. There are five generations right now in a multi-generational church. Here's where it gets very interesting. Four of those generations are adults. We have four generations of adults right now. We have one generation of kids or teenagers that we're calling the next generation. Now, before I walk you through these four generations and have some fun kind of talking about the differences and the values and trying to help us understand each other a little better, I just wanna say a few things, okay? I just, the new year, I hadn't preached in a few weeks. Buckle up, right? Let me just say a few things, okay? Just say a few things. The four different generations we're about to walk through as the four different generations of adults, our society has a way of every time something happens in our world, these four different generations of adults just argue and fight with one another about why their particular way of saying things is correct or why their particular value system is correct. So you've got four different generations of adults fighting with one another at all times while the kids and teenagers sit back and wonder, when will the adults start acting like adults? I just described 2020 for you. Y'all remember that year? Oh boy, right? like, why is he bringing that up? I'm gonna have some fun for a second because that's what happened that year. Everything that happened, all of the adults kept fighting with each other and guess who got to deal with the brunt of that? The kids and the teenagers, okay? Now I say that to just kind of sound a warning the first week of January. I'm not sure if y'all recognize this yet, but 2024 is another election year. Hey adults, let's do better this time. Can we do better this time for kids and teenagers? I told y'all I ain't preached in a while. Here we go, all right? So, four generations of adults. Let's walk through it, let's kinda give some description, see if we can gain some understanding, because that is the goal here, to gain some, different, gain some understanding of generations that are different from ours, and then we will finally talk about the next generation. All right. So the first one is what we call the builder generation. Okay, Ages 79 and older, this is the greatest generation. Came through the Great Depression, came through World War II. My grandparents were a part of this generation. Both of my grandfathers fought in World War II. Both of my grandfathers are now with Jesus. And if not for this generation, quite simply, I'm not sure where we would be, okay? This generation, yeah, can we give it up for this generation? This generation was selfless. They sacrificed. And in many ways, they shaped American culture moving forward. And if there were some words to describe this generation, they would be words like dedication, be words like loyalty, words like commitment and in many ways, that laid a foundation post-World War II in our nation. Now, the second generation of adults right now are the baby boomers, okay? So the baby boomers, roughly ages 54 to 78, the children of the greatest generation, and the baby boomers grew up completely different from their parents, and that was actually their parents' goal. In fact, if there was a phrase to describe the baby boomers, it would be this, to have a better life than my parents. Now that value was instilled from their parents. The builder generation post-World War II wanted their kids to grow up in a better world and have a better life. There were 76 million babies born in this generation. That's where the name comes from. And as the baby boomers grew older from one decade to the next, they changed everything. If you go back and listen to music from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, it sounds very different than the music in the 60s and the 70s that the baby boomers started to create. Baby boomers were very active. They got political. They voiced their opinions. They reshaped Culture and they've never stopped doing that with every season of their life. In fact, now as baby boomers enter into retirement, anybody who works in an industry that focuses on individuals who are entering into retirement are recognizing baby boomers are changing this too. Well, that's what they've always done. So kind of like in the church world, just for a second. So back in the day, like when I was growing up and in my early years of ministry, it was not uncommon for a church to have a senior adult ministry. And Everybody knew what that meant. The senior adults come and they eat fried chicken. It's awesome, right? So that's kinda how that worked. And everybody signed off on it, like cool, that sounds great. If you tell a baby boomer now they're invited to a senior adult function, they will punch you in the Adam's apple, all right? (laughs) That's how that will go down, so you don't wanna say that. Very different perspective for these different seasons of life, okay? The next generation of adults right now that we have on our planet here in America are Gen Xers, okay? So roughly ages 41 to 53. (laughs) Yeah, not as many of us are there, right? All five of us here, thank you. And that's kind of how it is. There are half the number of Gen Xers than baby boomers, okay? And Gen Xers in many ways are kind of the forgotten generation. We're not bitter, we just show up to work every day, okay? So that's kind of how that works. And we weren't really paid a lot of attention to growing up, okay? why? There's actually some reasons behind that. The baby boomers were kind of the first generation to normalize dual income homes. And so women had, already, had always worked, but it kind of became the norm for both mom and dad to go to work. Well, society had not caught up with this in the early to mid 80s. And so a lot of Gen Xers, both their parents are working, school gets out, they would literally, the parents would take like a key and put it like on a string and put it <laughs> around their neck. They're called latchkey kids. You'd get off the bus, let yourself in, make a few Pop-Tarts, have a day. That's how that worked, okay? I mean, there weren't all these fancy daycare centers or after-school this or after-school that. I mean, you were just kind of on your own. And so Gen Xers kind of grew up that way, and and their parents were kind of starting to become pretty jaded towards things political, towards institutional Leadership, And so a lot of the dinner time conversations revolved around that and Gen Xers heard about these things, it created some skepticism, and as Gen Xers got older, they really began to express that with some angst. And so if you wanna to listen to some music with some angst, listen to music that was created in like 1990 or 1991. Any genre, rap, rock, alternative, there was no pop music in 1990 or 1991, okay? New kids on the block made it for about a month. They were like, enough of them, okay? That's how that worked, okay? It's just a different time. And so as Gen Xers have gotten older, they kind of have a different value system. And so if there's a phrase, again, we're kind of summarizing here, but the phrase for Gen Xers would be to keep it real. Just keep it real. Don't market to me, don't try to advertise me. You, you, I just, let me be me, you be you. And that's kind of how Gen Xers roll. Then the last generation of adults we have right now are the millennials, okay? I didn't even have to ask for applause. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I love millennials. A lot of people think millennials are still teenagers. They're not, they're adults. And the... uh, I wasn't even trying to be funny. I was like, all right. Y'all are gonna real get, get a real good kick out of this because the phrase to describe millennials is celebrated in every season. So that's, <laughs> that's kinda how, how it works. Now, why is that? Well, the millennials grew up, and all of the things that the Gen Xers had experienced, it was like somebody said, we probably should fix that. So the millennials were the baby on board generation. Like the first time those little decals started showing up, baby on board was with millennial babies, okay? Like when we were Gen Xers, there were no baby on board. They just threw us in the back seat of the station wagon and said, good luck. That's how that worked, okay? But millennial babies, it's like, slow down, baby on board. All the helmet laws got passed with millennials, okay? I never owned a helmet growing up. Bike helmet, ski helmet. If you let your kid ride a bike right now without a helmet, they will take your kid. That's how that works, okay? All of that started. now. Because of that, and this is where it gets good for us or adults that, that aren't in this generation to pick up on a few things, they have an energy and an optimism that honestly we just don't have. Uh, they have problem solving skills that we didn't necessarily develop. And, and millennials, in many ways, bring energy to a lot of different things. And so, like the baby boomers, millennials are changing everything with each kind of decade they move through in their life. In fact, there's just about as many millennials as there are baby boomers. And so it's just good to kind of see these differences. Now, I started off in ministry 23 years ago as a middle school pastor, and I was a middle school pastor to millennials. And so I've kind of grown up in ministry with them. Most of my middle school students now are married and they're raising their own kids. And so I'm a big fan of millennials. And I've seen a lot of really good things happen, but I do think it's fun to kind of just get to know them a little bit, like how they like to celebrate things. And they're gonna keep doing this in every season of their life. For example, uh, like getting married. So Morgan and I were Gen Xers. So when I asked Morgan to marry me, nobody was there to record it, nobody. <laughs> Just got on a knee and asked her to marry me, okay? And she said yes, without all the fanfare. Now, millennials, like, it's a production. And, and it's, uh, and I like that, because you know what? The world is a dark place. We need more things to celebrate. So I think it's fantastic, okay? I think it's good. No more applause, millennials, we've had enough, right? So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to give you some props here. Now, Also, we have three boys, and um, like when we found out we were having boys, like the whole gender reveal thing that had not started. So, our gender reveal was to call our parents and say, We're having another boy. That was the gender reveal, okay? Now, I mean, you can fire a cannon, launch a balloon. It's unbelievable, right? Confetti. I love those things. And so, if we'll pay attention to this, we'll kind of see like how different generations act and the different values that they have. Now, Setting all of the fun things aside for a second. What I said there at the beginning of all of this is actually true that in the world, these differences are what create division, okay? And in the church, it should be different. In the church, these differences should actually make it a more beautiful experience to be a Christ follower. One of the things I love about our church is that we are diverse in many ways not the least of which is we're diverse generationally. And it actually adds to who we are as a church. And so let me just kind of challenge all the adults who call New Hope home, maybe in this new year, spend some time with some adults who aren't in your generation, okay? It's a great experience. I love going to lunch with a gentleman from the builder generation. It's incredible. There's a wisdom that I can Gain that, quite simply, I just don't have. I love spending time with baby boomers because they can give me great insight into parenting. When I have lunch with Gen Xers, it's just therapeutic for both of us to listen to one another, okay? <laughs> and then when I hang out with millennials, I just get energized, and I think, you know what? I think the church is gonna be in good hands moving forward. There's, there's so many good things that can happen as we spend time together, but see, here's the thing. We haven't even talked about the next generation. And what's happening, if we're not careful, is that as adults, we can get so enamored and focused on things that just affect us, even in a church, that sometimes we forget to even talk about the kids and the teenagers and maybe how they're seeing things. And so let's talk about them for a minute because it's very different. Kids and teenagers today, the generation that they're a part of is what's called Generation Z. Generation Z, and quite simply. (laughs) Not nearly as much energy as millennials, it's okay. (laughs) Nobody can outdo them, all right? Um, These are kids, adults, young adults now, that were born in the 21st century. It's crazy, you wake up and it's 2024. Some have called them the Homelanders, because a lot of them were born around September 11th, the Department of Homeland Security. They've grown up very different. In fact, in stark contrast to the millennials. The the Generation Z and the kids and teenagers are growing up, they have not grown up with the same level of optimism. They've seen a lot of things not go well in their life and they've seen a lot of things not go well on a large scale and they've seen it up close and personal. I mean, just think about this for a second. Even before the pandemic, this generation had already lived through two economic downturns. Many of them had already had to move out of a house that they were comfortable in because it got foreclosed on. This whole idea that that life was gonna be great and wonderful and everything was gonna work out, probably a lot of how millennials felt, not everybody. I'm speaking in very broad terms here. But for Generation Z, not necessarily the case. Then they had to go through the pandemic. And all of the adults, we're just talking about what an unprecedented time this is, and we're arguing with each other about what we should do about it. And, And the kids and the teenagers had to deal with the brunt of it. And they're trying to process this emotionally and they're trying to figure this out as well and we're still dealing with some of the ramifications and the after effects and we will keep dealing with that for years to come for how we did all of that as adults. And so the point I'm trying to make is that this generation is not exactly the super optimistic, positive, everything's going to be great generation. In fact, if there were some terms to describe them, it would be this, coping and hoping. Coping and hoping. Hoping things will get better, Hoping adults will start acting like adults. Hoping they'll be able to have a career where they could actually afford to purchase a home as they continue to see inflation on the rise. Hoping that our nation could actually become a place of unity. There's a lot of hope there, but see unfortunately, a lot of that hope is being squelched out and there's a lot of coping that's taking place with the pain. See, in the 80s and the 90s, a lot of the messaging when it came to drugs were illegal drugs. Now, the drug abuse is with prescription drugs that are very easy to get a hold of, most of which can be found in their own parents' medicine cabinet. There are all kinds of predators online who will create apps and different experiences that will focus on kids and focus on teenagers to somehow help them deal with the pain they're experiencing and to cope with this. And, church, at some point, Those of us who call ourselves Christ followers have got to get to a place where we just kind of lay aside all of the things that describe our generation and all of the different values that we have and all of the discussions that we would love to interact with one another as fellow adults and just put all of that aside and get super clear on something. If we don't start making the next generation our focus, where are they gonna be? Where is the church gonna be? This is a generation of kids and teenagers who are hurting, and I need, this is very difficult for adults to hear what I'm about to say, and it's even more difficult for adults to accept what I'm about to say. So I'm asking you with grace to please listen to me and accept what I'm about to say. It is not the same for them as it was for you. I don't care what age you say. Well, I remember what it was like to be 10 years old. No, you don't. I remember what it was like to be 16. You don't, because 10-year-olds and 16-year-olds today have a very different experience than those of us who did that many years ago. And if we don't stop projecting onto them what we experience and engaging and listening to them with what they are experiencing, who will? It's the call God's placed on us as Christ's followers to make the next generation our focus. And so for the rest of our time, I just want to share with you three commitments that we're making as a church to the next generation. This won't be the last time you hear these. I'll talk about these things a lot. And one of the things I love about this church is that these commitments did not start with us. If you're new, we're new. We just moved here in June. In many ways, I'm still the new pastor. And one of the things that we prayed through as a family that God used to call us here was what I'm talking about. That New Hope Church has always made the next generation a priority, a focus. And so in many ways, we are just continuing what's always been here, but perhaps maybe doing it with a little bit more focus and intentionality. So here's the three commitments. Here's the first one, to the next generation. You belong here because you matter. You belong here because you matter. We are not unique to telling the next generation that they belong. In fact, if you pay attention to the messaging of organizations and different entities, that's their messaging as well. It's not a secret that this generation wants to belong. The problem is a lot of the organizations and entities that are telling them that you can belong, what they're telling them to belong to is completely contrary to God's word. So we've gotta be louder. We've gotta be louder. You belong here because you were created in God's image. You belong here because you matter to God. You belong here, and guess what? There are adults who are gonna love you and accept you just the way you are, okay? Do you know how powerful it is, adult, for you to accept a kid or a teenager without making them run through your filter of who they should or shouldn't be or what they should or shouldn't look like? Do you understand just the the safe emotion that creates in a student. Hey, you belong here. I can remember being 16 years old and inviting a buddy of mine to church. We played ball together. He'd never been to church. I knew he didn't know Jesus. I was kind of rusty on sharing my faith, and so I thought maybe if I brought him to church, that would help and I brought him to church and he wore a hat because you know, that's what 16-year-olds did where I grew up. We wore hats everywhere we went. So he we wore a hat and he came to church and he hadn't been inside the church longer than five minutes and somebody pulled him aside, this adult, and said, hey boy, don't you know you're not supposed to wear a hat in God's house? Never been to church again. Hey, can we just right size something for a second? This, this sheetrock and carpet is not exactly just limited to God's house, right? Do we know that? Like We call it the house of worship, but God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Kids should be able to run in church. Kids should be able to run in church. I'm messing with some of (laughs) y'all. I've put line items in church budgets before for damage done to the church property by kids. Just to mess with people, okay? I hadn't done it here yet, all right? But hey, you belong here. Act the way God created you to act. We're gonna love you, we're gonna accept you just the way you are. Here's the second commitment to the next generation. We will adjust to you. We won't make you adjust to us, okay? Again, this is not intentional, but let me tell you what happens. Oftentimes in a church, it takes an army of adults to minister to kids and to teenagers. And we are so blessed here at New Hope Church that we have an incredible army of volunteers to do that. In fact, can we just stop for a second and acknowledge them and thank them for that, okay? And our adults, again, this was already the trajectory of New Hope Church before I got here. So this is not like me saying, and now we're gonna start doing this. This is what we've been doing for a while, but just to make sure we're all on the same page and we understand why we do it this way. Okay, We don't expect kids and teenagers to learn the exact same way we did. And sometimes in a church that can happen because all of the adults are the ones that are serving the kids and serving the teenagers. And we expect them to learn the way we did. And look, a lot of us, when we grew up in church, here's how we learned. We went to Sunday school, we sat at a table, we sat still for like 45 minutes, unless you were me, and they made you walk out in the hall for about five minutes and then come back in and sit down for a little while. Yes, I was that kid. And we had to sit there and we had to listen to one adult talk for a really, really long time. And a lot of times that adult would use felt board Jesus right behind them, okay? And once a year, felt Jesus will walk out of the tomb. It was awesome, right? That's how that worked. And for some of us, we're like, what's wrong with felt Jesus? Nothing, if it's 1982, okay? It's just not. So if we don't teach kids the way they learn, how are they going to learn? And here's what's interesting about this generation. They learn very differently. They learn very differently. Do you realize that kids and teenagers have never known a world that didn't have technology? Like I had to adapt to technology, and I still haven't really done it well. Okay, I'm that guy. Technology is not one of my strengths. My kids have never known a world without technology. So we should probably use it to point kids to Jesus. Y'all see what I'm saying? Some say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I mean, that too much screen time does them. Yes, that's right. So we manage the screen time. But see, here's what I've learned, church. Whatever we ignore, Satan uses for his purposes, okay? So we can just sit here and say we're not gonna do that or we can use it for good and guess what? Kids and teenagers see how it can be used for further good to take the gospel message to places it could never go unless we're using that technology. The commitment that we will make to them is we will never ask you to learn like us. We will do the hard work of adjusting to you so that the gospel message can take root. And there's the third commitment, speaking of the gospel. We will keep sharing hope through the gospel and the hope of the good news. Hey, ultimately, different generations and talking about that is so that we can gain a better understanding, but the hope has always been and will always be in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna keep sharing the good news of the gospel, but here's why this matters specifically to the next generation. For about the last 15 years, there's been all kind of research that's been coming out and and, and we're still trying to get research together from the last four years and what the implications of all of that are. But even pre-pandemic, these statistics were already showing up and, and it led to this term that some sociologists began to use, some missiologists began to use and the term is the 414 window. The four diagonal line 14 Window. Here's what the 414 window means. That 80% of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ now do so between the ages of 4 and 14. 80%. See, when I was growing up, it was 18. If you if you don't come to faith in Jesus Christ by the age of 18, the the chances of you coming to faith in Jesus diminish substantially. And then it got lowered to 16, and now it's been lowered to 14, we know from other studies that kids form their worldview by the fourth grade. That's 10 years old. Kids are forming the worldview sooner than ever before. They're able to understand and process things earlier than ever before. And 80% of people in the world we live in today, not the world we lived in 20 years ago, in the world we live in today, 80% of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ do so between the ages of four and 14. Quite simply, church, here's what that means. Our greatest mission field are the kids and teenagers in our local community. That's why God's placed this here. And so the playground, what we're trying to do is just create one more space where kids can learn God's word, where they can be discipled by adults who walk with Jesus and care for them. It's not the end all be all. But right now, if you just kind of take a, a survey, so to speak, of all things New Hope, if, if you were to come up here on Wednesday nights, we have a lot of teenagers up here on Wednesday nights, and Tanner and his team do a great job, and so many of you come up here and serve on Wednesday nights, and it's fantastic, middle school and high school students up here on Wednesday nights. But on Sunday mornings, we don't have a space that even if we wanted to offer something for middle school or high school students, where we could do that. The space that we do have for preschoolers, for elementary school students, they're outgrowing that space very quickly, and that's a really good thing unless we don't do something about it, and then it becomes a, Bad thing. And so this is just like one little step in that direction. Hey, is there another space that if we opened it up, we could use it for either elementary school students or for middle school students or for some preschool students? Or again, we're still trying to work out the specifics of who it will be used for. So we're taking a look at that and we're gonna take one step. Again, this is not the solution. It's just a step towards the solution. The other thing we're really looking at, and maybe something I could challenge you to pray about, Right now, we just have this amazing staff team. They do such a great job. But when it comes to the next generation, as far as full-time employees go, we have two. Jaden and Tanner. Jaden with our kids ministry, and Tanner with our student ministry. And for a second, can we let them know how much we appreciate them, okay? (laughs) They do a phenomenal job, and they do have some folks who help them as well, but we've gotta add to that team, and we're gonna do that in this new year. We're gonna do that. I don't have all the details for you, all the specifics for you. This is just a point of prayer. Hey, God, show us, because hey, here's the thing. There's a big difference between ministering to a first grader and a fifth grader. It's a big difference between ministering to a sixth grader and a 12th grader, okay? So so we got a lot of things that we're working on in a proactive way, Here's a church. And I want you to know that when you give to the right now special offering, you're helping to make that happen. And as we make these decisions and as things become tangible and stuff starts to happen, like we'll certainly let you know, we'll put some pictures up and share some videos with you. But hey, maybe for some of you, God's just stirring some things in you right now that the way he wants you to step into the next generation is by serving the next generation. Listen to me. Some of you have a story to share. You walked through some difficult things as a teenager. You made some really poor choices. And you've wondered if there's a purpose in that. Can I encourage you? God never wastes a hurt. Never wastes a hurt. But the purpose can only be found as you invest that into the life of someone else. And for many of you, that's what God's calling you to do. Hey, for some of you, you're kind of in a season of life where you've got a little more free time than you used to have. I think we call it being an empty nester. Boy, that's a goal we aspire to, right? And you're like, I've raised my kids, and I did all of that, and I served in the church, and it's it's somebody else's turn now. And I understand where you're coming from, but maybe God's stirring some things in you and saying, hey, maybe you need to get back in that room with those three-year-olds again. Maybe you need to invest in those third graders. You've got a lot to offer. You've got a lot of love and care and experience that you can share. So I don't know what God's stirring in you today, but hey church, let's be the people of God that makes the next generation our priority. Would you join me as we pray together? So God, we come before you right now and just say thank you that we have this incredible opportunity to invest invest in the next generation. God, may we realize when we see children and when we see teenagers at church, in our community, we may see children, we may see teenagers. You see world changers. You see individuals created in your image. You see them as adults. God, help us to see them as well so that we can be a part of producing the next generation of teachers and coaches and politicians and church leaders and pastors and professors and every other walk of life. Moms and dads. And and so God, we're all in. We're all in. God, for each of us, could you show us what you would have us to do in this new year to invest our life into the lives of the next generation? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.